what these companies lack is one place to really see what everybody in the organization is doing, right? What's it, where's our combined marketing calendar that says this is our marketing plan for the month, for the week, for the quarter. And then how do we know that all of the resources that we have with our organization are being used effectively, right? How do we just do basic task and project management with our team? Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today, we have Garrett Moon, who is one of the co-founders of CoSchedule, which is basically a marketing management platform. I'm going to let, to let him speak to that in a moment. But first and foremost, Garrett, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, Eric. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. So yeah, I guess why don't you give us a little background on kind of what your story is, kind of who you are, and then uh, we'll jump into the, the story of CoSchedule. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, obviously, Garrett Moon, I, I've worked uh, more than a decade now in marketing and advertising. I actually started my days uh, at an advertising agency as a, you know art and creative director, met my current co-founder uh, at that agency. He was developer, so he was building things and I was designing things. And, uh, you know, over a few lunches and tacos, we started talking about doing it on our own. So uh, rolled into actually running my own agency with Justin and uh, we did that for about four or five years. And, you know, you're doing all of these different things in marketing. You get to see how, you know, how internal teams, uh, you know, clients are, you know, implementing content, implementing social um, and being software guys ourselves. We started moving into the, you know, the realm of actually just creating tools to help solve those things for our customers. So one thing leads to another. We were able to actually, you know, make the switch from being a service-based company to a product-based company. And that has led us uh, all the way here to CoSchedule. That's almost a decade and a half worth of work summed up in about 30 seconds. But that's the, the big story. Yeah, that's super helpful. And there's a lot of people that have been on this show that have gone from kind of agency and, and transitioned over to, you know, doing doing product. And yeah. actually, I have one of the yeah. one of the ex-founders of uh, my agency. So I have an agency, software business, and, and other stuff going on. And we were actually talking about it a little bit. And um, I, I guess for you, how big revenue size, team size did you get the agency to before you decided, hey, like we, we shouldn't do this anymore? It's actually pretty small. We we exceeded a million dollars in revenue, uh, I'm sure a year or so there, but we didn't keep we didn't actually really put a lot of growth. We actually used most of the revenues from the agency to build software. Yep. Um, so actually, before we actually started the agency, Justin and I, we called it, you know, our, had our late shift. We're at 10 o'clock at night. We'd all, you know, we'd have the kids in bed and, and uh, we'd put on a pot of coffee and we'd, you know, open up a Skype call and we'd do, we'd build software in the evening until two or three in the morning. And that happened for years while we were at the agency and after we even started our own. So we always had a, a very strong desire to have a product and to actually use the service business as a way to fund the building of a product as well as, you know, even provide, you know, kind of the resource for ideas and, and problems that we wanted to start solving. So uh, we, for that purpose, we always kept the agency pretty small. I think our maximum was like eight, eight people or nine people on staff. So it was never really a big operation. So the plan was always to start the agency, use it to fund the other project and then kind of jettison the agency. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was the long-term goal. 
Okay, great. You know, maybe I'll come back to later if, if we have a little more time. Um, so co-schedule, I, I've been a user in the past. I've used it on, on, on two different uh, sites. And, you know, the way I understood it in the past was that it was really good. I was like, okay, you know, this is like the tool to kind of manage my editorial calendar, right? But like we, we talked about in the beginning, you know, it's a marketing management platform now. So how has, you know, what does co-schedule do now? Kind of what's the benefit? And maybe there's a case study. Yeah, I mean, day one, the problem that we started to look to solve was really connecting WordPress and your social accounts together. Um, that was actually the very the very first iteration of CoSchedule. CoSchedule was launched as a WordPress plugin, really only worked with WordPress. And so that was very, very early days back in, you know, early, uh, well, mid-2013. So that was about creating the editorial calendar uh, where you could plan your content, giving you uh, integrated social tools so you can actually promote that content once it's published. And then, uh, you know, actually trying to automate as much as possible. So we had integrations and still do with WordPress. So that will automatically, anything you create in our calendar, it's created in WordPress. Once you tell it on our calendar to publish, it actually publishes in WordPress and then kicks off this chain reaction where we can send all of your social promotion uh, and all of that afterward. But, you know, as your as our company grew and we started getting these larger, you know, logoed accounts using the software, even just to manage your blogs, they were coming to us with bigger needs. And, you know, as any any company you understand is that as you continue to move up market and you continue to be able to fulfill those needs, you, your product, your services, like everything you do can change quite a bit. Um, so we still have all of those things as a core part of our platform. And we still uh, it's actually really important to us to keep, you know, lower cost plans kind of for the everyday marketers, solopreneurs and bloggers. But a lot of our development, a lot of our work over the last few years has really gone to serve small, medium sized enterprises, um, as well as some enterprise accounts nowadays. So those teams are really struggling with very different things. They want streamlined content scheduling on a calendar. They need, uh, you know, some social integration they can handle when they're creating their content. But really the problem we end up coming in to solve for them is almost a project management problem. Um, you have, you know, focused marketing teams. Some may be focused on certain aspects of digital. Some may be focused on content marketing. Some are focused on social or PR. And what these companies lack is one place to really see what everybody in the organization is doing, right? What's Where's our combined marketing calendar that says, this is our marketing plan for the month, for the week, for the quarter. And then how do we know that all the resources that we have with our organization are being used effectively, right? How do we just do basic task and project management with our team? So, you know, we really come in, we provide a holistic marketing counter um, and lots of variations of it, you know, so they can say, hey, this is what this team is working on and this is what this other team is working on or, or what this uh, division is working on. And then globally reporting saying, here's what everybody's doing. Here's your bird's eye view of what everybody in the organization is working on. This is what our marketing efforts look like. So. All the, and then we go all the way down right to task management. We actually provide views and uh, interfaces, Kanban views and interfaces for actually managing day-to-day scrums. So if you're doing like an agile marketing process or something like that, we have individual task management for, for team members, tons of automation and rules built into that. So, you know, we can automatically change a project status when a task is completed and send a notification to this stakeholder. So um, really about, you know, kind of, providing a really the home base uh, or mission control for, for what that marketing team is working on on a day-to-day basis. Got it. And then so I guess when I'm looking at CoSchedule now, are you would you consider like the other project management platforms like a competitor, like a Asana, for example? Well, not really. We kind of 
kind of think of it as there's a there's a makeshift marketing problem out there. And makeshift marketing is that when when a marketer sits back, and I'm sure a lot of your you know your listeners, entrepreneurs, and stuff all have this, where it actually is taking you 15 different tools or so to connect everything you're doing in a marketing process, right? So you you may be starting in a in Google Docs or Google Sheets. You have spreadsheets somewhere. Uh, there's probably an editorial calendar of some point at some place. You know maybe in Trello or maybe just like in in Outlook or in Google Calendar. And then you also then you have your you know your CSMs. You may have a CRM. You might have an email marketing platform. You might have a then you have a social platform. So you know there's this makeshift marketing problem where it actually takes all of these different things in order to get our job done on a day to day basis as marketers. And there's really nothing out there aside from Postcatcher that can tie all of those things together and start to eliminate what we call that kind of makeshift marketing. And we find that when people are doing that makeshift marketing process, right, where you're bouncing from spreadsheets to Trello to Asana, you know, to other free tools, you may be able to have a handle on it for a while, right? But at some point, you're sacrificing marketing and effort you could be putting into growing your business into just managing a complexity of set of tools, right? And as they, and particularly as your team grows, grow out of it very quickly. So uh, we don't really think of project management tools as competitors, but they're frequently we are coming into groups and helping them eliminate those from a marketing perspective and do task management, editorial planning, and publishing for all your different channels all in one place. That's awesome. So that sounds like a, a problem. I mean, we, we face, we, we have so many tools out there. It sounds like what CoSchedule does now is, is just, it simplifies marketing, right? Um, if I were to kind of simplify it. Yeah, exactly. It gives your marketing a home base, you know, that mission control center. Cool. And so how does it work? I mean, let's say, you know, for the kind of um, people that are starting out and also for the people that are looking to kind of, you know, take full advantage, uh, how do you generally charge yeah, I mean, we, the biggest difference that we find in organizations is what do they need to manage and what does their organization look like? So at the at our smaller plan levels, they start at $50 a month and they're going to give you everything you need for managing blog posts. You can actually integrate right with your email marketing platform like MailChimp or Campaign Monitor or something like that. Um, so you're going to be able to see your blog content, your website content on the calendar plus email. And then we give you a f- uh, full publishing suite for social media. So, you know, any social promotion that you're doing around those items can be done right on the calendar. And automated, we have a full automation product called ReQ, which will actually repeat and re-promote evergreen content. And we have an intelligence engine that runs that. So it does it really smartly and, and uh, helps you kind of avoid some of the time suck that comes into social, but still gives you uh, a good present that's out there. So like that, that tool set is really very popular and really provides a lot that most like initial or growth marketers needs out of the box. As your team gets larger and expands, our plans do go up from there. And so, you know, we go to, you know, full enterprise plans. You're talking, you know, you know, six digit contracts and stuff, multi years. But those things are going to come into like, okay, are we managing teams that are, you know, managing two or three different in two to three different continents in some cases, or, you know, running multiple product lines, um, or are we coming into a large marketing organization and scaling across it where we're providing solutions for a social team and a content team and a PR team and, you know, all of these different groups. So a lot of that comes into what's the complexity of your team and then also what you're publishing in some of those cases that they you know they need very customized customized needs around the types of content they're creating awesome okay and can you walk us through i mean there, i'm looking through you know one of your your entrepreneur pieces um just talk about how crew schedule basically bootstrapped 10x growth and you know straight out of north dakota so can you talk a little bit about that and kind of maybe share some numbers yeah um you know north dakota is not usually where you you hear about a, a startup coming from and 
Um, we get asked about that quite a bit. We actually started our agency in, uh, in Bismarck, which is the capital city of North Dakota. And to this day, we've gone from uh, when we actually started CoSchedule, we raised uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, in order to establish CoSchedule as a separate entity from our agency. So that was the first time we brought in uh, investors. All of those were local angels just within our community. And we started with four folks uh, at that time. So that first year, 2013, launched, we were able to get a couple hundred customers uh, within the first three or four months, kind of told us that we were onto something, used that to raise, I think it was 250K, and then and then kind of established our, our four-person team after that. So that's kind of where we started in 2013. That was two engineers and two co-founders is basically what that that team consisted of. So we mean uh, my co-founder Justin had to kind of uh, <laughs> wear all the other hats that weren't uh, that weren't dedicated to development. But nowadays, you know, if we're about five years in. We just hit five years uh, this past September that our product has officially been out there. I mean, we're over 60 head. Um, we've raised about, I think it's about 2.7, so a little less than $3 million. So we've had a lot of growth on very little financing. And we do consider ourselves bootstrap company because we have never taken any VC money. We are, we are completely funded by uh, local angels and local economic development programs in our state. And so very kind of unusual way that we've raised money, but it's given us a lot of advantages and growth, you know, over the last few years. That's interesting. So is it, I think for people that are listening, maybe from, you know, smaller, um, you know, in the U.S. in smaller states or maybe even people in other countries, um, it sounds like there's something, it sounds like you can kind of take advantage of or, or not take advantage of, but build relationships with people around you. Maybe even, um, it sounds like maybe even the state, like what, what did you do exactly there to kind of clarify? Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, there's certain things, right? Like in North Dakota, there's a lot of incentive to build out the tech industry. North Dakota actually has a pretty strong legacy in terms of tech. Um, our governor uh, was actually the founder of a company called Great Plains Software. They were in the you know late 80s, early 90s, and they actually sold to Microsoft a $1 billion plus dollar exit probably mid-90s, 93, 94, something like that. And that led to, he actually, Doug Burgum, he was a VP at Microsoft, reported directly to Bill Gates. Fargo continues, Fargo, North Dakota continues to have the second largest Microsoft campus in the world in, right in our state borders. So there's there's a great legacy there. That founder, Doug Burgum, is actually now our governor, um, which means that there's just a lot of interest in the state to build uh, you know, support entrepreneurs, I guess, particularly those in technology. So we actually worked with a specific group, the North Dakota Development Fund, which is the part of the North Dakota Department of Commerce. They're backed by the Bank of North Dakota, which is we're one of the only states in the union that has a state-run bank. So we have a lot of really unique things in our community that we were able to take advantage of early on. Right? They they wanted us to succeed. They want to see growth and you know particularly you know hiring to be happening in North Dakota. So it was something we could take advantage of. And I think every state has going to have a different variation of that story, but every state has different things that they're looking for, right? And if you're, you know, as part of your entrepreneurial journey can help align with some of the goals that is happening within government or happening in the state, it can be a really great source for financing and, and you know, maybe a great reason to relocate to North Dakota if you're looking for something like that. Great. That's awesome. I, I think the, the main key, the, the key takeaway here for me is basically, I think people, some of the areas that they forget to look sometimes instead of just going, you know, friends and family, certainly good angels as well, and then a typical VC route, but also maybe even looking into your state too or your country, and then maybe there might be some some nuggets there. So I think that's super helpful. 
Well, yeah, and I think the thing is about it is that those the people in your home state, your own local communities, they gain the most from your success, right? So CoSchedule, you know, we've provided 60 jobs and technology into our state that wouldn't otherwise be there. We are the, currently the fastest growing startup and have been for a couple of years now, fastest growing startup in North Dakota. We contribute, you know, financially and resource-wise in terms of our team members, frequently our volunteers for local startup weekends, One Million Cups events. Like, you know, we really become a, a great driver of that whole startup ecosystem, the community. And it's a great way for us to give back, but it's also a great reason to use your local groups and local community and help them become a part of your success and victories. I think it's just easy. You know, when you read online about startups, everything's on the coasts. But if you're in the middle and not on the coasts, uh, look to the middle for help because uh, they're going to understand you and they're going to have a, they're going to have a lot to gain from helping you as well. Love it. Super helpful. And the, there's another thing that you, you talked about the the one metric that that matters. And I, so you hear a lot about that in, in Silicon Valley. So I'm, I'm curious, how did you guys uh, utilize that phrase? And maybe you can explain kind of what that means and how you guys used it. Yeah, it's, it was really, really important to us in our first few years, particularly in getting our initial growth going as a company. And I think it's something that plagues entrepreneurs and, and marketers. I mean, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, like we have an unlimited number of metrics available to us. We can measure everything relatively easily. You know, I mean, Google Analytics and, you know, your bare metrics or Char Mogul, like it just gives us a ton of data. And I think the, the problem comes in that if you want to find something that's good or moving up into the right, you always can find something. And if you want to find something that's going down and going in the wrong direction with all these metrics, you can always find something. And what ends up happening is we sort of emotionally sort of jump between those two things um, and we never really create a focused set of metrics to look at. So we've always actually taken an approach of like less is more in this area. Like while we have a lot of those tools, uh, what we really think about is what's the one metric that, you know, for this team, maybe it's, let's say our marketing team or our sales team or whoever, uh, I'll probably use the use case of our marketing team uh, in this example, but what's the one thing that they focused on right now and that's all they really thought about? It's what they talked about every single week. It's what they talked about in their daily scrums. Like, would it create the correct results? And usually there's 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 always that metric, right? It's sort of a leading metric. So as an example of that, like early on, the only thing we actually cared about as a marketing team was traffic. And we looked at that in terms of page views, uh, not even just unique visitors. We actually just looked at page views, which everyone tells you not to do. But the reality is, is that as a startup that had just launched, and we were two or three months into this uh, before we really started to build our marketing team. We, the number one thing that we didn't really have was attention and traffic. And what we needed to do as a company was actually just learn how to build traffic. Like how can we get marketers to our site on a regular basis so that we can have them start trials or have them do email addresses, right? Or have them join our email list. Like we knew that those types of things would naturally follow. So we really just focused on traffic. It allowed us to get really good at SEO, um, allowed us to get really good at writing headlines, allowed us to get really good at using social and, and figuring out best times to post on social, best ways to use email uh, to drive traffic. And that was the only metric that we talked about. We just talked about page views and we really only focused on how do we get this to grow 10, 20 percent on a month over month basis? What are the things we need to do for that? I would say that probably lasted six months, maybe a year at most, um, probably not quite that long before we really felt like we had a handle on that. And from there, the next thing that we focused on, we kind of shifted our one metric that mattered and we went towards uh, email lists, uh, signups. So just email list subscribers was sort of our net, next metric that we used to really determine if our marketing team was successful. So we stopped really talking about traffic. I think it was still in the back of our mind, but it really became about how do we 
optimize our site around this traffic to really convert email addresses. And those two things became the foundation for our growth. CoSchedule today has over half a million people on its email list. You know, we're well over a million plus uh, page views every single month. And those types of things, like investing in those and focusing on those exclusively in the beginning, while at the end of the day, what we really want our marketing team to do is influence paid customers, right? Like that's that's the actual goal. And nowadays, as a, we have a sales team, it's actually and it's to provide them with leads. So you know our metrics change, and they still continue to change. But those two things being the early foundations uh, give us a lot to work with. We have a very powerful email list that we can use in a lot of different ways. Uh, we have a very f- powerful website, a lot of traffic, a lot of page rank that we can you know kind of point them in any direction we want um, and bring attention to our product, to our site or, or, uh, you know, to our team. So to clarify, uh, so in early, in the early days, uh, you were, you guys were focused on traffic and then you realized maybe it sounds like you needed to add a pairing metric was, which is kind of the, the conversion rate. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I would say is we focused on traffic and we did not realize that at some point we wanted to work on conversion. It was just that we really, we kind of relied on the fact that if we can bring enough traffic, the conversion sort of just takes care of itself, right? Like we'll get enough conversions, we'll get enough trial signups, we'll get enough email lists to know that those things are growing. We don't have to think about them a whole lot right now. What we need to do is build up the skill set of driving traffic and gaining attention to our to our domain name and to our site. Got it. So at what point we maybe we can go with the traffic. So maybe you would say like, hey, like we need to get our traffic to two hundred or three hundred thousand visits a month and then let's focus on conversion rate. So can you go into a little more detail as to kind of what those number what those targets were and then you know then you decided to kind of you know add in the other metric? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's an exact timeline where you have to where you have to jump over. I think it's sort of when you've mastered the skill set, right? I think what happens, and say like this, like what's the alternative? Is that we all know that what we want is a paying customer, um, and so if you market towards that paying customer, the problem is you're serving too many masters, right? You're you're not going to be very focused in what you're doing, and you actually haven't built the skill sets as a team or as an individual to grow traffic and to gain email subscribers, and you and you kind of need to be able to do both. Both of those things before you can really be putting into the rest of it. So, building traffic—I mean, that could be two or three months. It, it may not be a really long time uh, before you move on to the next thing. And I wouldn't say at all that we weren't collecting email addresses and we weren't collecting trial signups in that time. We were. It's just that the metric that we focused on was how do we get more traffic. That's the question we ask ourselves every day. And what it did is it creates focus, right? We asked, how do you, how do you get more customers every single day? But we didn't have traffic and we didn't have an email list to utilize for that, those things. Um, it's going to be very difficult, right? To answer that question. We're going to have to rely on paid or any number of random things in order to do that. But instead by backing off and focusing on page views, we are able to ask ourselves a very specific question and create very, very focused results and generate results very quickly, right? Within, you know, three, four months, we're able to move on. On, uh, to start thinking about email conversions almost exclusively. Great. And, and this is all, uh, when you say page views, this is not just organic traffic. This is all in, right? Yeah, all in. I mean, that those are coming you know, from email, from social, from search. I mean, you're probably top one, two, three there. Uh, not necessarily in that order, but yeah, or referrals as well. Great. Okay. And then this actually dovetails well. I mean, you know, I was going to ask you the question, what's working in terms of marketing? But obviously, content marketing is working well for you because you kind of have to, you know, again, I hate using the phrase, but eat your own dog food. So, you know, you, you talk a little bit about how to create, you know, 10x competition free content, right? So you, a lot of people hear about 10x content. It's like, you know, or the skyscraper technique. There's all these like SEO or content marketing terms. But 
creating 10x competition free content. Can you explain what that means exactly and, and how you guys do it? Yeah, for sure. So uh, this was kind of something where, you know, in that kind of process, right, of uh, going from page views to email mar- email uh, signups, then, uh, you know, all the way to where we are now, which is more like sales leads is our one metric that matters. Somewhere between there. So somewhere in step two, we kind of look around at the content marketing landscape. And when we first started doing content marketing, we were pretty new on the scene. We were able to make a pretty big impact quickly because there wasn't a lot of people talking about it. But as the you know, as it all became more crowded, as people started to copy some of the things that we were doing, we kind of really started to think about content marketing in terms of this kind of the same way you'd think about your business. Um, I read a book a long, long time ago. I'm sure many of your listeners have as well called Blue Ocean Strategy. And it's about really understanding the difference between sort of the red waters that are bloody with competition, right? Because everybody's doing the exact same thing to really the, the differentiated blue ocean opportunities that exist for businesses. And so once we started thinking about that, I started, we started applying that to what we were doing in terms of content as well. And really thinking about our content marketing as not just content that we wanted to put out there to drive traffic, but as content that was actually in competition with other content. And the reality is in 2019 we're in now, I mean, like everybody in your industry is doing content marketing. Everybody's trying it. Most are not succeeding. So there still are opportunities for you, but you've really got to learn how to actually differentiate your content from what your competitors are doing. So, you know, for us, what that looked like is we looked around, what are, what's everybody publishing, right? And there was a similar formula. There was, they weren't actually doing very good headlines at that time. So we saw some big opportunities to differentiate ourselves there. They were all kind of following a very similar formula of these like 800 to a thousand word posts that were sort of high level and maybe listish. Um, so we thought, well, we can probably be more actionable. Uh, we can write deeper, more, more in depth content. So since probably 2015, Every post at CoSchedule has been uh, 2,500 words or more, uh, and that's one of the big differentiating factors for our content. Uh, we changed how we used images. We actually hired a graphic designer to do custom images, infographics, you know, for every single post. So there was just this whole series of things that we started doing that were really more about leveraging every piece of content we publish and differentiating it from the competition versus just kind of following the same old five steps to great content marketing uh, stuff that you find everywhere else. That's great. Yeah. So in terms of identifying kind of competition free, because I'm, I'm looking at some of your posts right now in, in like Ahrefs. Um, so, you know, you, you got this one on how to write a press release, right? The super epic post. Yep. Yep. That to me seems like it would be a pretty competitive keyword. So I guess, how are you finding these blue ocean opportunities? Yeah. So something like that, what we would probably, our team would do is they'd probably do a, you know, based on the target keyword, they're going to do a search on just kind of see what's out there right now. And you're going to look at the top 10 results and we're going to kind of go to every single one of those and we're going to read the post and look at the post and kind of understand what's going on. And basically you just kind of do an inventory, you know, what's out there, like how much, how, how, you know, are they going really how to, or are they more surface level? Is this more list post content? Are they including images and examples? Or is there a case study? Like, you know, what's not there that we think would play really well. And so we've done this for a lot of different keywords. So we've learned some things that work and some things that sometimes don't. And essentially our goal is to create the most 
the best piece of content, right? Like what's the piece of content that we create? What's the angle? What's the, you know, the, the giveaway that we can, or the handout that we can give away as part of the post that makes our piece of content better than every other single one on this list. And that's really kind of how we go about planning. And so that comes into length. It comes into providing something that's not there. Uh, it comes into reading comments there, if there are any or social shares on that piece of content, just to see what were people actually looking for? What did they like about this post? What seems to be the most interesting to them? And how can we do a better job of building a piece of content around that? So you know, even a large keyword that's fairly broad, like a press release, like we can do a pretty quick job putting ourselves in the top 10 list using that technique, uh, if not you know, right at the top in many cases. Great. I love it. I could ask you questions about this all day, but we're going to work towards wrapping up here. So just a couple more questions. So you, you know, for your blog, you're getting, uh, let's call it a million page views a month. Approximately kind of what conversion rate are you getting at when you have that much volume to, you know, from traffic to email subscribers? Yeah, I don't know what we would have on a global level. Um, we really actually look at it as per piece of content. Um, so high-performing pieces of content could have, for us, could have a 20 or 30% conversion rate wow. in terms of like even just trials in some cases, or we don't really distinguish between trial and demo requests. We kind of treat those as one of the same. So somehow we just kind of say, hey, a customer raised or a potential customer raised their hand somehow. So those are really good ones. Those are usually like very specific types of keywords uh, that we've targeted frequently, kind of basically work as landing pages. But I mean, then you'll have some that'll have abysmal. We've had posts. We had a best one of our best performing posts ever. Millions and millions of sh- million shares or half a million shares, I think, and million and a half page views in like the first eight months of it being published. Uh, it was a color psychology post, and this is a case study that I I covered in a talk, a recent talk I did. But it was like we kind of looked at it and said, hey, this is one of our best performing pieces of content. Never mind, right? Like it was like a 0.0034% conversion rate. It was just nothing. And so part of it was actually going through that post and, you know, optimizing conversion rates by, you know, improving calls to action, improving, you know, taking some of the posts and actually putting it in a download rather than leaving it just as part of the content. So that was a piece of content where I think we were able to bring it up to maybe a couple percent conversion rate, two, three percent. So a pretty big difference. But not necessarily the best piece of content for us in the long term, but you know you're able to make a big difference. So once you take that formula, you can start to start to optimize. If it's a good tip, right? Like if you if you have a post that performs well, what's its conversion rate, and can you just spend a few weeks doing nothing but trying to figure out how to improve that conversion rate? Uh, there's lots of ways to do it. Perfect, love it. And so. For you guys, I mean, obviously it's not just, uh, or maybe in the beginning, maybe, maybe you guys have the volume now, you guys have the domain authority, you guys have the email list, promotion's probably not that hard, but for people that are kind of, you know, getting started or kind of, you know, a year or two into it, how did you guys go about handling promotion um, in addition to kind of just producing that that 10x piece? Yeah, we always sort of just worked it in. If we launched a big feature, we would kind of create a set, uh, some content around that feature and we'd sort of drip it out for a month or two, you know, just to our natural email list. We've always been not very shy about using our email list, right? It's, we invest a lot into building it. So when we launch a feature or something, you know, we blast it out there for sure. Uh, but then we also try to drip it in, right? So you kind of take a two prong approach. We, we launched a feature a few years ago called marketing projects that allowed customers to manage like complex marketing projects that might have multiple email campaigns, multiple social campaigns, multiple blog posts, all in one feature. It was a really big feature for us. I think we brainstormed about eight or nine blog posts that were all around project management, organizing marketing campaigns, how to plan your campaigns, you know, proper strategy for campaigns. Every single one of those posts 
focused on keywords around that feature. Uh, they all included calls to action, you know, for a trial of CoSchedule based on that feature um, and or a sales call. And they also included downloads, right? Something that people could take away with them that would help them do project management, maybe even in a spreadsheet uh, that might give them an appetite for solving in a digital way at some point in the future. Love it. Okay. Well, my final question around content uh, before we move to the, the wrap-up questions. How is your content team organized today? So our marketing organization management actually is a really hard thing. I think we have uh, we have a growth marketing team. We have a product marketing team. Um, and our growth marketing team, we really see that team as a really drive their revenue driving team. So there that there includes our content marketing team, which is two folks. Uh, it includes our inbound team, uh, which is do, we're focusing on paid and some of the other promotion side of things. It also includes brand and buzz, which does social and our PR and some of those things. So we kind of have it broken down to those disciplines, and you know all focused on driving revenue is really where, where the KPIs of that team go. So I think that's probably six to eight people or six or seven people and something like that. And then product marketing team does website. They do all of our like sales enablement materials and, you know, they provide talking points for the sales team, for customer success team, um, and really kind of disseminate that stuff out internally. So more of an internal facing type of role. Great. So, uh, sorry, is that 13 people or how many? I think it's 12. I think it's the total marketing team right now. Got it. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, basically, guys, this is uh, this is a, a way to, uh, a path perhaps, to get to a million page views a month. Just kind of look at CoSchedule, what they're doing. I, I'm looking through the content, all the, they're doing everything right from a content marketing perspective. So I uh, really love it. And I think, Garrett, I mean, you even have your own book too. Uh, what's the book about? Yeah, so the book is called The 10X Marketing Formula. And actually, it really covers a lot of, more in depth, some of the things we talked about already. I really go through in detail how we looked at one metric that mattered. I spent a lot of time on competition-free content, a bunch of the strategies we use for that. And it's really it's really tried to be a book that it's a guide for yourself rather than just a story of how we did it, right? This is what we did. A lot of this worked a few years ago, but I tried to boil it down to the principles, uh, focusing on, you know, what are the projects, what are the methods that will give you the potential at reaching 10x results where you can actually like multiply the results, whether it's page views or email signups, that you're getting it by 10, right? You know, that's the type of growth we all want. Um, and I think as marketers, a lot of times what we end up focusing on, and even entrepreneurs, is we feel like we're focusing on those 10% things, right? Those 10% little things that we feel like we have to do or need to do or just kind of part of the process. And so the book really is about separating that, learning to really find those, the, the 10x projects that you really need to do. If you have a team, it's about finding the 10x processes or projects and then disseminating them to your team and actually getting your team to have 10x thinking, which is really hard. And then just, you know, using some case studies specifically from CoSchedule, like here's some of the things that work for us. So we covered a lot of great stuff here, but uh, the book goes really in depth on on how we achieve that growth uh, step by step and how you can do it too. Got it. Love it. Well, Garrett, um, we'll, we'll, dr- we'll definitely drop that in the show notes. Um, definitely talk more about CoSchedule also in the show notes as well. But... What is the best way for people to find you online? Because this has been great. Yeah, online, um, I'm probably most active on Twitter still. Uh, so at Garrett underscore Moon, that's two R's and two T's underscore Moon. CoSchedule.com and at CoSchedule.com slash 10X book, we actually have a free chapter, uh, first chapter of the 10X marketing formula as well. So if you want to kind of take a sneak peek at the book, you can do it there. Awesome. Garrett, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.